Beloved of God, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Welcome home to Morrisville Presbyterian Church. Whether you are a longtime member or visiting with us for the very first time, whether you are here in our sanctuary or joining us from the comfort of your home, we welcome you. It is a joy to be worshiping with you this day. As a reminder, for those of you who have not worshipped alongside us in the sanctuary, I will be removing my mask whenever I'm speaking in worship, as will Pastor Alex and Molly Ramsey, our pastoral intern. But you will notice we put them on as soon as we are done, and so for all those gathered in the sanctuary, we encourage and um, invite you to keep your mask on the whole time you're here, covering both your mouth and your nose. It's chilly in here today. And it's chilly in here for two reasons. One, because the boiler hasn't been fired up yet. And it's also chilly because we, in an effort to maintain airflow in this space, uh, to ensure safety of everyone, we are keeping the windows open. And so if you are joining us in future weeks, or if you're joining us today, feel free to keep your coats on. And we would encourage you to bring a coat in the weeks to come. Uh, it is our hope to continue to worship in person, but to do so as safely as possible. Additionally, bring a coat tonight uh, for this evening as we gather for our second outdoor communion service. That will be at 5 p.m. this evening, and it will be right off our church parking lot right where you park today. We will be gathering to celebrate the sacrament together, and as you feel comfortable doing so, we hope that you will join us this evening again at 5 o'clock in our church parking lot. Friends, we continue our journey into Scripture, exploring the unexpectedness of our God. God is always, always at work in unexpected ways, through unexpected people, unexpected circumstances, and often pushing the boundaries of what we've come to expect in this world. As we continue to journey as God's people through an unexpected season, let us open our hearts more fully to the one in whom we live and move and have our being. Let us worship God together. Friends, please turn to your bulletin and join me in our collective call to worship. Who is this who enters the doors of our temple, who overturns the tables, strews silver and gold on the floor, frees the sacrificial doves from gilded cages? Listen, as they rise, the beating of their wings is a song of loud hosanna. It is Jesus of Galilee the Son of God, who comes to cleanse the great temple, to restore its subverted chambers to a house of hallowed prayer. Then let us open the doors of our hearts even wider, so he can cast out the thieves who would take what is sacred and tender and turn it hard as gold in a fist. May the temple within us be a refuge where doves of peace roost in the rafters. May it be a garden that bears the fruits of a generous spirit. O Lord, take what is corrupt and withered, and let it break forth in beauty. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Let us worship God together. Confident that God is indeed a God of transformation, let us speak the truth about ourselves to God 
acknowledging what we have done and what we have left undone. Let us confess our sin together. With hearts of sorrow, we come before you, O God, to confess what you already know. We have failed to keep your laws. Again and again, we have followed our own selfish will rather than your holy and life-giving will for our lives. We have twisted your decrees and institutions to suit our preconceptions and interests rather than our own. Forgive us, O God, and cleanse us from hidden faults that the words of our mouths and the meditations of all our hearts may be acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Friends of Jesus, we are made clean by the words he has spoken to us. There is room in our lives and in our community for the Holy One to dwell. Thanks be to God. Let us proclaim this good news. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Alleluia. Amen. Though we will not be singing today during worship, let us listen and reflect on the words of the Gloria Patri as, the, as we welcome the gift of God's grace. Good morning, young friends. Good morning, young at heart friends. It's a delight to be with you. For those of you who are familiar with online school right now, you will know that a lot of it consists in watching a computer screen and uh, learning much, but also struggling with the technology that is before us. Those of you who've been in online meetings, I imagine you have some idea, but imagine doing that for hours a day. It is quite the experience. And I want to share with you about one of our friends who was in her online class this week. And I've seen resonances of this in my own house, but she was very aware that her teacher was having a frustrating time on the computer. And her teacher was getting very frustrated and the computer wasn't working the way she wanted it to and she was getting really upset and our young friend boldly unmuted herself on her computer screen. And she said to her teacher, you need to take some spirit breaths. My pastor Rachel at church said we should take some spirit breaths when we're upset. This is one of our youngest disciples who shared this with her teacher and her class this week. And it brought a joy and a comfort to me and my week 
that I didn't quite know I needed. And it brought me comfort and joy because I don't know about you, those of you who are young and who are young at heart, but I continue to need some spirit breaths pretty regularly in these hard days. I continue to need them at home and at work. I continue to need it navigating technology or navigating all the rules and regulations of this strange pandemic life. And it's really easy to get frustrated these days, especially over simple things that aren't going our way. And my young friend reminded me, and I hope she will remind you, of what a gift it is to know that no matter what, God's Spirit is near. And no matter what, we have the opportunity to breathe in God's Spirit anytime. So remember to do this for yourself this week. But like my young friend, don't hesitate carefully to remind those around you as well that God is near, God is present, and we could all take a moment to breathe in God's Spirit from time to time these days. So let us do that in our prayer. Together we will breathe spirit in, self out. Let us pray. Spirit in, self out. Spirit in, self out. Amen. Friends, as we turn now to a time for the hearing of Scripture, let us continue in prayer. Let us pray. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Melt us, mold us, fill us, use us. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Amen. Our scripture passage for this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 2, verses 13 through 22. Listen for the word of the Lord. The Passover of the Jews was near, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple he found people selling cattle, sheep, and doves, and the money changers seated at their tables. Making a whip of cords, he drove all of them out of the temple, both the sheep and the cattle. He also poured out the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. He told those who were selling the doves, take these things out of here. Stop making my father's house a marketplace. His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. 
The Jews then said to him, What sign can you show us for doing this? And Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, This temple has been under construction for 46 years, and you will raise it up in three days? But he was speaking of the temple of his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scripture and the word that Jesus had spoken. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray together again. Loving God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. I'm hoping you can finish this song lyric for me because it was a dark day for me when I spoke to a group of high schoolers one evening and not one of them knew the next line to this song. It's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. It's the one line you'll get to sing today. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? Thank you. I'm very grateful that you know the rest of that song. Fred Rogers was known for his calm and welcoming demeanor on Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. But those who knew him well said his TV personality was no different than who he was when the cameras were off. Fred Rogers was a kind, gentle, welcoming, wonderful person who sought to care for everyone he met. So I ask you to consider what would have happened if in the middle of a commencement address or in the middle of a live television appearance, Fred Rogers had just snapped, lost it, yelled, screamed, knocked over the podium, let profanities fly, kicked a chair across the set. Can you even imagine it? Breaking news, not such a beautiful day in the neighborhood anymore. It's beyond anything we might ever expect from Fred Rogers and his gentle demeanor. And I imagine we have a similarly difficult time imagining today's scene with Jesus. I think we've each seen a few too many pieces of art with a laughing Jesus, a smiling Jesus. We've heard a few too many stories of Jesus healing the sick or caring for the least of these to be able to imagine Jesus' fury as he drove people out of the temple that day. This can't be Jesus, at least not the laughing or smiling or warm and fuzz, fuzzy Jesus that we hang in matted frames on the walls of our homes or in the church lounge and hallway. This Jesus is angry. This Jesus has a whip in his hand and fire in his eyes and he turns over tables. He thrusts money across the hard, cold temple floor. And I don't know about you, but I am so tempted to do one of three things every time I hear this text. 
Number one, ignore it. Just move past it very quickly and instead sing Jesus Loves Me or something that's a little more palatable. Number two, soften the blow. Assume somehow that all four gospel writers must have been exaggerating, as unlikely as that may be. Or number three, believe that it happened, believe there was fury and there was fire, but let's make sure we're standing with Jesus when it all goes down. In other words, let's make sure we're the ones joining the holy havoc, barging into the temple, throwing the tables over with Jesus. These temple officials have gotten it all wrong. We, we would know better. That's right, Jesus. Get those tables, knock them over, I'll get the coins, you get the livestock. Let's knock these mighty down from their thrones. But the problem with every single one of these approaches, as preferable as they might be, is that in them we're either avoiding the text completely or we are making a lot of assumptions about what the text does or doesn't have to say to us. And as theologian Paul Shoup is quick to remind us, the targets of Jesus' displeasure in this particular narrative are not kings in remote places or the forces of empire seen or unseen or pagan rulers who may have never heard of the God of Israel. No, driven before Jesus are the money changers whose tables were tolerated, even encouraged, by the temple authorities who should have known better. Now let's talk briefly about the temple authorities, because the temple authorities were those who loved the Lord, sought to serve on every board and committee of the temple, signed up for worship in the midst of a pandemic. They had made a career of studying the Word of God. They were committed to building up institutions to proclaim and embody the word. And yet somehow they had also managed to accommodate the money changers. And they weren't doing anything wrong as far as they could tell. After all, Passover was coming. People needed sacrificial animals that were without blemish. They would have come from a long way. Pilgrims are coming to Jerusalem. They need to be able to exchange their Roman coins for coins acceptable for the temple tax. What better place to get them than at the temple? Save yourself a trip. People who had devoted their lives to the word of God had arranged for all of this. They were committed, loyal leaders in the temple who wanted to teach and encourage and provide for others as they too sought to follow God. They were the ones handing out bulletins, the ones volunteering to serve at every turn, the ones who, frankly, were most similar to us in this story. And so I'm going to ask you to consider a fourth and far more difficult option as we engage this text And that is, what if rather than being the ones who join Jesus in the havoc that ensues, what if we're the ones totally caught off guard when he comes storming in? 
What if we're the ones with eyes wide and jaws gaping, sitting in the seat of judgment, and just standing dumbfounded as Jesus enters the sanctuary, yelling and turning over all of our carefully laid tables? And I know our initial response is always very reluctant to go with that idea. Pastor, this is silly. There's nothing for Jesus to overturn here. We, we barely are gathering at all right now. There weren't any livestock wandering around. We don't have a bank down the hall. But do we? I'm not going to try to convince you you missed your sheep on the way into worship this morning, but are there ways... This takes a lot of self-reflection. Are there ways in which we, in an effort to serve our God, have we become complicit in work that is decidedly not God's? Have we clung to cherished rationalizations? Have we become so stuck in our own routines that we're no longer willing to question the status quo? Have we responded to new people or new ideas about programs or education or worship with that famous Presbyterian phrase, well, that's nice, dear, but this is how we've always done it. Have we in our own lives become so fixed in the way we do things or don't do things? Have we become so entrenched in our schedules, our spending, our addictive behavior that we can't imagine living another way? Have we become so stuck in relationship patterns or estrangement patterns that we can't imagine living another way? Even if another way might be much more faithful. It's hard to know what Jesus would overturn first in our lives when we've become so accustomed to the way things are. And I realize it's very hard to imagine Jesus walking in here at all, much less announcing himself by overturning everything we've ever known. But in some ways, friends, the overturning has already happened It's happening. None of us saw it coming like this, but this pandemic has upended every table the church has ever set. And I know it's done the same in your life as well. Any plans or schedules or ideas or traditions we had planned for this year have been utterly washed away. We've been left with the ruins of what might have been and what once was. We've had to radically change the way we do things. We've had to navigate new ways to be together when we can't be together. We've had to cancel programs, move worship here and online. We've had to imagine new ways to connect with one another in this time apart. This pandemic season, a season we didn't want or expect and are ready to be done with, it is actually, it's actually a season that's perhaps far closer to this story of Jesus overturning the tables than we could have imagined before. Because everything has been overturned. Overturned. 
Life has been turned upside down. And Jesus, Jesus is waiting to see what we'll do next. Because as soon as Jesus leaves the temple that day, or as soon as we're past this pandemic life, we could set all of our tables, all of our livestock and money changers, and all of our schedules and ways of doing things right back up the way that they were. Pretending as if the upheaval and the chaos and the overturning didn't happen at all. We could do that. Or we could work really hard to be open to the overturning. Asking ourselves if there are things we can learn from it. Or if there are ways we are being changed by it. Are there things we've learned about ourselves in the midst of the upheaval? Have some things become lifeblood and essential to our life in this season, and have other things fallen away? What things have fallen away? What does it say about what matters to you, what matters to us? What's been easy to let go of, and what hasn't? Are there ways this season is, is challenging us to live more faithfully? We're more, more fully in line with God's will for us. What are we feeling called to consider differently? What are we fighting like hell to avoid losing? What are we getting defensive and angry about so easily these days? What are we feeling called to pray for? I want to be very clear, I don't like this pandemic any more than you do. I have not enjoyed the overturned status of my own life or the life of our church at all. But life has changed. We have changed. And I've been wrestling with the fact that in some ways that change might be needed. In some ways, that change might be challenging me or my family or our church family to live more faithfully. This gospel story today is a reminder that even in the things that we think we are doing so well, even and perhaps especially in the things that are like clockwork in the routines, the patterns of our everyday lives, we are called to open ourselves to the possibility that we've gotten it a little bit wrong and that we could still live more faithfully and more closely to the heart of God. So have the overturned tables changed us at all? Will they? Jesus is waiting to see what we'll do next. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.
having heard the word proclaimed, please turn to your bulletin and join me as we affirm our faith through the words of a brief statement of faith, a confession of the Presbyterian Church USA. Together, let us state what we believe. We trust in Jesus Christ, fully human, fully God. Jesus proclaimed the reign of God, preaching good news to the poor and release to the captives, teaching by word and deed, and blessing the children, healing the sick, and binding up the brokenhearted, eating with outcasts, forgiving sinners, and calling all to repent and believe the gospel, unjustly condemned for blasphemy and sedition, Jesus was crucified, suffering the depths of human pain, and giving his life for the sins of the world. God raised this Jesus from the dead, vindicating his sinless life, breaking the power of sin and evil, delivering us from death to life eternal. With believers in every time and place, we rejoice that nothing in life or in death can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. My friends, for the next few minutes, we are going to sit in God's presence and take some time to reflect on the words of the hymn printed in your bulletin as a response to the word read and proclaimed this day. Because we cannot yet sing safely together, and because we are a congregation worshiping in this sanctuary and from the comfort of homes, this is an opportunity for us to be connected by God's presence both in this place and wherever we are worshiping today. So for the next few minutes, let us open our hearts and our minds to the gift of God's presence.
Friends, let us pray. O God, our great foundation, the being who has been with your people from the beginning of time until now, we call upon you to hear our praise and our supplication. You who sat beside the ancients in their marvel and mystery, we give you thanks for the ways you have guided us and restored us this week. For the burnt yellow color of pine needles resting on the side of the road. For family members and friends who bring simple gifts like casseroles or goodie bags that have divine implications of love and care. For your eternal word that holds constant in a time of chaos. For all these reasons and many more, we delight in the blessing of life and are assured by the goodness of the world that comes from you. Jesus Christ, Son of God, you are the one that knows the innermost parts of our heart, that which we worship and confess and pray for intercession. So hear our prayers before you this day, Emmanuel. Hear those of us praying for miracles of healing and strength to carry on through illness. Hear those of us praying for wisdom and guidance to make decisions regarding schools, child or parent care, and things that we once took to be routine that are now complicated. Hear those of us praying for the world and for its leaders that we may all make efforts towards justice and peace instead of greed and violence. For you who showed the disciples the way forward, show us the way today. Spirit of the living God, fill us and surround us with the gift of your memory. Like cattle being driven out into the world, help us remember the excitement and charisma of your word. Like money being poured out of a well-hidden box, help us remember your abundant grace that has been poured on us and filled our hearts in the waters of baptism. Like tables being flipped, help us remember the ways you turn our lives away from complacency and towards your transforming glory, ever-present, ever-gracious, ever-loving God. We pray all these things in the name of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, who taught us how to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. My friends, perhaps more than ever before, 
We can relate with those whose tables were utterly overturned. And Jesus is waiting to see what we'll do with that next. May we have the courage to ask hard questions. May we have the strength and endurance to look inward more than outward. May we be reminded that in all of it, God is near, this day and always. And as you go, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you, be with those you love, and be with those you are called to love this day and forevermore. And together we say, Amen.